0: Hey everybody, welcome to what is for so many reasons a very special episode of The Things I Haven't Even Told My Therapist. Today comes as the finale of my partnership with the Bowdoin Student Athlete Advisory Committee as part of the NESCAC's 2022 Mental Health Week. For new listeners, my name is Connor Lloyd. I'm an all else pretty normal college student who has dealt with depression and anxiety. Through the lens of my experience and the stories of my friends, I want to change the way that we as academic institutions, athletic organizations, and overall society address matters of mental health. Branching away from the subject of on-campus matters, I want to discuss the overall relationship between the mental and physical side of athletics and why paying attention to it is for the best of all involved in the world of sports. Those of you who have heard my previous episode with my high school coach, Mike Langle will remember the story of how my high school football team brought in a sports psychologist to help improve our team demeanor, which greatly improved our performance and helped the program turn itself around. For those of you who haven't, I'm obviously biased, but I do recommend giving it a listen, especially if you find interest in today's interview, because for this episode, I brought in that same psychologist, Dr. Kevin Alschler from the University of Washington. In the interview portion, he will explain his role in depth, but I wanted to first contextualize our conversation. We've all been there. Whether you've struggled with mental health or not, after a long, brutal, exhausting, and just overall terrible day, had to lace up the cleats, put one foot in front of the other, and get out to practice, or the game, or whatever it be. This action is not exclusive to athletes alone. We all have our fair share of bad days, but we also eventually have responsibilities to attend to, and occasionally those overlap. By working with Dr. Elschler, our team worked on how to get past those tough days to get the best out of our performance on the field. He also has a whole lot more advice on the subject of how improving our self-awareness in these situations can be beneficial all around. It is clearly important for teams as a whole to buy into mental awareness in the way that he teaches if they wish to reach their full potential and avoid any of the BS that can get in the way of even a great team's success. This interview has a lot for everyone, and even having worked with him before, I learned a lot of new ideas from his teachings and his perspective. Enjoy. I would like to welcome to the studio Dr. Kevin Aushler. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Just to give the listeners a little bit of context, would you mind sharing a little background on the work that you do with multiple sclerosis and how you tie that research into sports?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I come from kind of two backgrounds that have merged together here at this point in my career. So I'm a lifelong athlete, coach, sports fan, and so in a few minutes we'll we'll talk about Um, how I've gotten to to merge that in with my professional interests. But like you alluded to in my uh, quote-unquote day job, I work at the University of Washington in uh, the the Department of Rehabilitation Medicine. And for people who aren't familiar with rehabilitation medicine, uh, we work with patients who have suffered serious injuries, like traumatic brain injuries or spinal cord injury or who are living with chronic diseases or chronic conditions like multiple sclerosis. Uh, and we also have a segment of our department does sports injury as well. So I, I do work in our multiple sclerosis center. And my job is to help our patients as they learn to live with their MS disease and the MS symptoms and the impact of MS on their their functioning and, and on the way they want to go about their lives. And our goal across rehabilitation, so the psychologists, the physicians, our physical and occupational therapists, all of us work together to try to help our patients maximize or optimize their functioning and, most importantly, their quality of life. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to help our patients get the most out of life despite what's going on with their health. And at the 30,000 foot level, that's not any different than what we try to do in sports. We're trying to help people function at their best, achieve their highest quality of life with what's going on in their life. And so the the context is perhaps quite different between the two, especially if you're talking about high performing athletes or people who are suffering serious consequences from an injury or an illness. But again, kind of at that broad level, it's really the same set of strategies. It's the same idea of, you know, how do we help people identify their strengths and their weaknesses, leverage those strengths, improve on their weaknesses, find ways to to battle through challenges that are going on and, and really keep their eye on the things that help them function at their best.
0: So at what point did you sort of have this light bulb go off of, oh, I can bridge these two interests in my life, these two passions of mine?
1: So at some level, I would say that light bulb was never off. So it was always kind of flickering <laughs> there in the background. I think as somebody who's been oriented towards you know becoming a psychologist for probably a long time, probably had that in me as a, as a kid, and somebody who's interested in sport, I think I've always had an appreciation for the you know psychology of, of sport and the psychology of of how teams work and the psychology behind coaching and, and so forth. Professionally, it's been something that's built over time. So I w- I was actually able to have some sports psychology experiences when I was in grad school in like two thousand and five, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I worked with various teams back w- at that point. And that's just been something that's been able to build over time for me, and and so I think in terms of your, you know, when did the light bulbs go on? I think it was it was always there. I think it's just been something that has uh, been able to grow as opportunities have presented over time.
0: Can definitely get that. When you first start moving towards working with a team or, or with an athlete, what do you what do you sort of catch or like the initial flaws? What are what are your sort of entry-level goals when you go into working with a team? What What are the first couple of fixes that you try to make?
1: Yeah, so it's interesting you're asking this question because this has become a little bit of a soapbox topic for me. of lighting. I think one of the things that, that I've seen is despite how much growth we've had in the understanding that there's a mental side to the sport and that there are mental health issues that are important and I'm sure we'll talk about uh, both of those as we go along today. The the mental side, the sports psychology piece still is a very reactive. piece. It's one where most teams, most programs tend to kind of operate with this assumption that things are fine until they find out they're not. So whether that's mental health or whether that's mental skills, the assumption is That part's okay until we see some cracks somewhere and then we decide maybe we need a sports psychologist. We can talk about what some of those issues are that come up. But the part that stands out to me still is that we would never approach other aspects of sport that way. We would never assume athletes have skills until we find out they don't. We'd never assume they have fitness until we find out they don't or that they understand strategy until they go, right? Like we hit conditioning and skill building and, and the strategic side of sports from day one, we work on that in the off season. Like that's the part that that we invest in. And so the number one thing that I see (laughs) with most teams is that my involvement tends to start when there are concerns, when there's already a problem in place and it's something we're chasing after we're, We're not being proactive with it. We're being reactive to it. And so um, it's the rare experience. We can talk about certainly your high school football experience. It's the rare experience where we get to come in and work with the team before those issues come up, um, where we get to be more proactive and get to weave uh, this into the program. In terms of the issues, like when I am asked, to help the issues that come up. I think you know one of the things we realized is there's a lot of anxiety, especially in sport. There's a lot of pressure now, uh, pressure on athletes, pressure around performance. <laughs> things like social media certainly not helps uh, with that either. And and so we see a lot of the consequences of pressure, and and those consequences can be uh, can be really variable from person to person, right? It can be people feeling that pressure to do more and and trying to do more and more and more and it's not working for them and they're realizing they're getting frustrated and, and we need to help try to build in more flexibility more adaptability help people find a path forward we find athletes who are shying away from the moment because that's another way that we react to that anxiety is we try to avoid the things that make us anxious and so sometimes we find you know that people are struggling to commit in the way that, that they want to commit. so like there's so many different issues that come up but a lot of times it comes from that piece right like most athletes really want to succeed and when when there are issues or there are concerns it's that they're not getting that success that they want and it's not because of lack of trying or lack of interest or something like that but it's that how we're handling those challenges are are not working for us in in the ways that we're trying. And so the psychologist gets, you know, gets called in and and gets asked to help find ways to better manage those challenges and, and find ways to help with change. I think one of the things that is sometimes helpful to think about is that psychology is in everything we do, right? Psychology is about how we think and how we react and, and how we feel and everything we do, we think about everything we do, we're doing, right? We're acting and we have feelings, we have emotions, uh, we have the responses to it. And so there's psychology in everything. And so if we need to change what we're doing, if we need to change how we're going about things, a, a portion of making that change is going to be psychological in nature or have a foundation in psychology.
0: Right, right. I think branching off your point of pressure is kind of exactly the whole need for the focus on the student athlete in particular, because not only are students trying to exceed on the field and in their athletic lives, but there's the pressure of school and trying to separate that from your student life is extremely confusing. It's difficult and it's altogether very frustrating. I was wondering if you could speak to some of the techniques you sort of Used, I I remember things like the mindful breath and using visualization. I was wondering if you could speak to any other sort of skills or techniques students can use to sort of differentiate their parts of life from one another and maybe not alleviate all the stress, but be able to engage themselves a little bit more focused manner on the field.
1: Absolutely. So I think there's two pieces to what you said. So one is that if we think of the psychological side of sport like a pyramid the the foundation of the pyramid is our, our mental health and our mental well-being and it's like any model that uses a, a foundation including a house you know if you don't have a solid foundation the things that are built on top of it aren't going to hold up and so for us in psychology the things on top of it are kind of the psychological strategies that, that we can offer that help optimize performance but there's no optimizing if we don't have that foundation of wellness to begin with and so one piece of what you're talking about is how do we manage the the stress and the competing pressures that that we all experience but i think student athletes especially experience as they're going through their academic year and you get that from class, you get that from sports, you get that from your social life, you get that from being away from home for the first time. There's lots of pieces there. And so from a purely mental health side of that, I think it's really important to have strategies in place for taking care of your mental health. And, and those can be informal things, right? Like making sure you're taking breaks, going for walks, not getting outside, Interacting with friends, um, social supports, and doing things that are fun and not having it be, you know, a day full of things that are stressful or stress you out. It can be more formal things like learning relaxation or meditation strategies. So, relaxation strategies, common ones are things like deep breathing or uh, visualization, relaxation visualization, where you visualize being on a beach, for example, you know, in a calming setting and and there are strategies weren't there. Meditation, mindfulness-based strategies are really popular now and there's great apps that that a lot of people use that really help guide that. Things like Headspace or Calm are kind of two of the commercial products out there that a lot of people are familiar with. And then, of course, there's professional services as well and so seeing a psychologist or a counselor or a therapist and i think we're headed in the right direction with more people realizing that that's an okay thing to go do and of course as a psychologist i think that's a great thing for people to go do and then we get to the the sports side right and so there's the you know are you taking care of your mental health and i think that's really important and then there's the sports side of like, how do you transition from that busy academic life, social life, and, and all of that into being on the field and, and being able to do what you need to do at practice or in a, in a game? And so, again, assuming we've done a good job with the mental health piece and we're in a good spot, there's still a transition piece of leaving the classroom and getting on the field. And this is something we spent a lot of time with. So, I don't know if people know, but I worked with a school football team that that you played on, and something we spent a lot of time on, right? It's a very challenging school. There's a lot of demands. You leave school at three, whatever, and 10 minutes later, you're on the football field. And so, we wanted to build in some ways to help players transition into practice so that those couple of hours that we had out on the football field were productive couple of hours and it wasn't a lot of time spent transitioning trying to get your mind out of one place and into the other and so we used a mindfulness strategy we is very basic strategy but, but we it was actually uh, formally it was 1 minute a day that we spent the idea that we weren't going to just start practice and hope everybody caught we weren't going to just hope everybody was able to get locked in but we we're going to take a purposeful minute to follow our breath, to let thoughts come and go, to bring ourselves onto the football field, to be very present on the football field. And so for people who aren't familiar, mindfulness is really built on this idea of being what we call a non-judgmental observer. So it's a fancy way of saying, can you just be here? And can you just be here with whatever's going on right here? And so if we're on a football field, right, then we aren't in the classroom. But a lot of us would bring everything from the classroom onto the football field, right? We'd bring that with us. And I bring with us what somebody said to us in the hallway. I bring with us some challenge we had in class or on a test or something like that. And that would come with us. And we wouldn't really be on the football field. We'd kind of be half here and half there. And so the idea was that we worked with the team on building up that ability to bring yourself to truly where you are, which was here on the field. And so taking that minute, a minute's a short period of time, we can argue with the, the psychology scholars whether a minute's enough or not, but it was a very intentional moment. Of, of refocusing on where we were, which by rule would help us let go of the other things that had gone on. And and really something we've worked on, I think in your time, but definitely since, is to also bring some intention to it of now that I'm here, what am I going to do when I'm here to be productive? What, what am I going to use this time that I'm here on the field to do? And I think you know, if people haven't listened to your podcast with Coach Langle, I I think this is very clear in in that podcast. But I I think that an important part of what we tried to bring to the culture was that we're not ignoring those other things that go on in life. We're not trying to dismiss the other challenges. We're not trying to say they don't matter or we don't care about them or suck it up and, and just be here. We're trying to help build that ability to transition between the things so that you're not carrying all of that weight with you and you're free of those things for those couple hours that you're on the
0: field. Awesome. I know how much that minute has meant to me in my own life and trying to follow that track. I think a lot of people could utilize that skill. It really doesn't take that much time. As you said, exactly 60 seconds is sometimes all you need, but it can make, it can make a huge difference in performance and, Honestly, in any any part of my life, it's something I've begun to implement. So thank you for that. And uh, I, I wanted to take it back a little to the first question, thinking about team environments in particular and how you were talking about how your job typically comes in in a reactive manner rather than a proactive manner. And you you hinted at some of the issues that teams come across. We don't necessarily have to get into those, but I was wondering if you could maybe expand on like some of the red flags, some of the things that you potentially could see building up to those moments and, and things that coaches and teammates alike need to be a little bit more mindful of to prevent any of those big breaks as you described?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think red flags are, that's a great way to think about it. I think there's there's two pieces to the red flags. I think one side is that you know, one set of red flags are those things that athletes do that probably aren't helpful for most anybody. The second set is there are things that if you understand what makes a team work, you can see whether those things are there or not for that team. And the absence of those things or the drifting away from those things that that make that team or that athlete pick. Are are also red flags, um, and those are really great ones. If you really understand a team, you understand what is making that team successful. If you can start to see that drift, it gives you a great opportunity to correct things before things get too far off track. So, in that first group, that uh, you know, like, what are things that all athletes do that are that. Or that that you know the red flags that if they're there they're kind of universally bad things. I I think that actually maybe isn't a fair generalization to make. So I think different things work for different athletes. Some people are more emotional. Some people are less emotional. Some people you know find that you know by putting forth more effort they actually get more other performance. sometimes that by putting forth more effort they get less out of their performance. So maybe it isn't a fair thing to uh, for me to even generalize that that group, but I think we can all think of examples of things we've seen with frustration blowing over, poor communication, you know, things like that that tend to universally be problematic for athletes. And that more nuanced piece, like where you understand a team, I think one of the things that I really like to do with teams is help them identify what is it that helps us be successful what are the things that we do and it's not just you know the x's and o's stuff right it's not how we throw the ball or who we throw it to or how we tackle or you know whatever it might be It it, that is part of it but part of it is also things about how we interact as a team how we go about our business what you know what we focus on what we don't focus on what how we show our emotions like what what works for this team what is our recipe and ideally if i'm working with the team we we get that down to three to five main things with the idea that if those three to five things are there we can assume that everything else is going to come with it you don't have to micromanage everything let's get those core things there that are going to help us be us. And if those, if we're there and we're being the best version of us, we can be everything else is going to come with it. So like said football, right? Like when when we were together there, I think a big thing for us was to be excited about what we were doing. Right. And the more excited we were, better things went. The more we started wondering or worrying about how it might go, Right? So, not as excited, maybe a little more concerned, questioning, right? Like, right. then things didn't go as well. So, for me, that was a big kind of way for me to, to measure what was going on there because we could see a difference between those two things. I've worked with teams where communication was a big piece and we could watch and see if they're communicating, things tended to go well. If it got really quiet out there, things weren't going well and, and if that was a big piece for that team we'd really work on you know how to make sure the communication was at the level it should be and so I don't know, i'm a big i'm not a big package person with the idea of like everybody should do a certain thing i'm a big kind of you know how do we individualize things to the team to the individual you know whoever whoever we're working with but, but with the idea that everybody is different and the key is to understand what helps that person or that team function at their, their best. And if we understand that, then we can work on the issues that come up where the person is or team are are drifting away from those things. And, And for most athletes, most teams, just like most humans, it's often just a few things, but it's those same things that come up over and over that, a person away from being who they want to be and they get in the way of their functioning and you know i I think if we if we can identify what those things are then there's an opportunity to make the the small changes that will impact those specific areas and, and will make a big difference
0: right and influencing some of these issues that you bring up thinking about things like communication and and uh just general temperament i think that feeds really well into the idea of mental health and how it's lack of acknowledgement in the realm of athletics is probably feeds a lot of the frustrations that lead into such things as bad communication or perhaps low energy from a player on a day. And especially if, if it's a leading role guy that can, that can cascade down upon all the rest of the players of the team. So how, how do you think that players can improve their recognition of their own mental state on a given day? Sometimes, even if they're able to separate the stressors of life via taking a breath or by just simply getting out there is enough for them. How can players let off the baggage that comes with maybe things like depression or anxiety or trauma they they have lived through in order to, as is always your goal, get the absolute most out of their athletic abilities?
1: I think it's really important for all of us athletes or not, to improve our ability to observe ourselves, to understand where we are as individuals. So we talked earlier about the role of sports psychology. And sports still has this reactive end to it. We also all kind of live in a reactive state right? where we go about our lives making decisions based on how we're feeling. But we aren't necessarily aware of how we're feeling. Right? So one of the things that I think is really an important starting point for a lot of people is to get a better understanding of themselves. And we brought up mindfulness so many times today. People are going to think I'm a mindfulness guru, which I'm not. I think it's one of the tools in our toolbox, but one of the coolest things that I've seen from all the patients I've worked with who've really bought into mindfulness is that observer element of it, that it gives us a chance to stop and and see where we're at right now and, and understand what's going on right now. And to a large extent, most of us are pretty good at making good decisions about what we need if we understand where we are. So instead of just reacting to how we feel and and kind of adjusting our our way of life or, you know, our behaviors or what have you based on how we feel without even realizing how we're feeling, it gives us a chance to make a different decision. It makes us a chance or it gives us a chance to understand what we need in any moment. It gives us a chance to, to try something to help ourselves feel better or or respond differently. a situation and so you know a lot of times when i talk to people and i say well you seem really quiet today they may not even know they've been quiet that day or or they realize they're quiet but they don't know why and and it's that lack of of observing or, or really recognizing what's going on now i make that all sound easy the hard part a lot of us is a lot of times we don't really want to take that step because we don't necessarily feel like we want to know why we're feeling how we're feeling right so we don't want to stop and realize that i don't feel very good about what's going on or feel really nervous or really anxious because we worry that we might not be equipped we might not have the skills to help ourselves if we feel that way. And that's why those things I talked about earlier are so important, like building stress management skills, understanding your support network, knowing that, that you can access support services as well. Like I think that it's really important to know those things are there so that as you recognize things in yourself, you, you don't feel like you're stranded on an island and, and unable to address those pieces. I think the, the thing that you know, we talked about a, a few minutes ago is, is also important. That idea that that all athletes bring everything that's part of them to the field, and so when we, from my perspective, when we look at how do we help you get the most out of yourself on the field or the court or in school, whatever, in your, your sports arena, to me, it's not we need that we need to get rid of all those other things, because all those things are coming with you. The thing for me is, can we help you coexist with those things and not have them change who you are, not have them, you know, I think the concern you're being able is drag down your performance, but have them be there, be a part of who you are, but have you be able to still be the person that you want to be, right? The, have those those values of who you want to be as an athlete, as a teammate, as a competitor, when you're in your arena, while still bringing those things with you. So it doesn't have to be a fight. It's not one or the other, but it's being able to help yourself, uh, you know, be who you want to be and, and accomplish what you want to accomplish while also bringing those things with you. And that's, that's a big part of, my work on the, the medical side, right? Like I have a lot of patients who, you know, they have chronic pain and their pain, when they're in pain, it makes them grumpy or ornery, It's it would for all of us, and runs the risk of impacting their approach to parenting, their, their children, for example. And we can't get rid of the pain. so We can't take an approach that's like, let's get rid of the pain so you're a better parent. Right? Instead, we have to look at how, how can you be the parent you want to be, despite the fact that that pain is coming with you. And so I think for mental health, we have to think about that kind of approach of, you know, we want everybody who needs the help to work on improving their mental health, using all the resources that are available, and at the same time, have the skill set to be able to be who you want to be, who you intend to be, who you enjoy being, despite the fact that some of these things are going to come with you. And so it's not a, it's not an either or, it's definitely an and kind of approach. Of, you know, everything's coming with you. So you got to learn to work with it because it's coming with you.
0: I, I really, really like that, that metaphor. You just used that comparison to, to your day, day job, if you will, because yeah. I, I think one of the expectations of so many coaches that I've played for and worked with is that when you step on the field, I said this to you earlier, but as you step on on the field, nothing else matters. Everything outside the white lines is, is gone. And I, I really appreciate you mentioning that part of becoming a better athlete when struggling with mental health is acknowledging the things as opposed to trying to shut them down necessarily, because that's how... Things like communication, blow-ups, all these other things that tend to ruin the, the abilities of a team to reach their potential sort of come to be. So, yeah, yeah. thank you for saying that. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that is a, a really important distinction that you're drawing. Because so I think that traditional coach, old school coach, you know, whatever you want to say, who says those things don't matter, we need you here on the field, Their are and my goal is the same, right? Like, we want you to perform at your best on The field. I think the difference is that kind of traditional approach is this either or approach, right? Like, either you're going to have it together and you're going to be out here and you're going to perform at your best, or you're not, right? And if you don't have it together, whatever that means, if you don't have it together, you're not going to perform at your best. I think we can work with those things, right? So that Parenting and chronic pain example that I brought up. You know, like if a person is struggling, right, psychologically with their mental health, they're not going to perform as well as somebody who is not struggling with those same things. Same thing with my chronic pain patients, right? A a patient who doesn't have pain is going to feel better than a patient who has pain. Okay, that's a that's a given, and that's why we need to work on those things. But It doesn't mean that all is lost if you're struggling with mental health issues. It doesn't mean all is lost if you're struggling with chronic pain. We can still make choices. We can still learn strategies that will help us perform it the best that we can, given what's going on, despite what's going on. And so it doesn't have to be that traditional either or to still get the most out of you for who you are today, right? And I think that's the issue that, that you're talking about. is like a person's feeling depressed, for example, and they're not communicating with their teammates. There's no rule that says if you feel depressed, you can't communicate. It may be harder. And so we may need to learn some strategies to communicate better in those situations but it doesn't have to mean all is lost in that space and so what it takes is it takes more work and I think that's where the pushback has been traditionally is it doesn't feel like there's time for that work so I need you here as this athlete to practice because I don't have time to deal with this stuff and that's something that I think is changing I hope it's changing because it needs to change because people are going to bring all kinds of stuff with them to the field. And I think the more we learn to work with those things, the better off we're all going to be.
0: Definitely. And I think we've spoken a lot to the on-field communication. We've spoken a lot to the coach-athlete relationship. But really to wrap this all together, I know I know something you helped a lot with our team in high school was how we communicate with one another off the field, how we sort of game plan, how we prepare together. And I think, especially in the conversation of mental health, the way athletes support each other could definitely go an extra step. Obviously in, in my own experiences, it's, it can be really tough to be the guy to reach out to someone else and say, hey, you're doing all right. Like you said, talking earlier, like, oh, you're a little quieter than normal today. Like in my own experience as a male athlete, a lot of times that leads to someone putting up a wall of defense or if e- even worse, it can backfire and can it, it can sort of get reflected back on you as perhaps old-fashioned ideas of like being soft or more thoughtful, which traditionally was viewed as like a weakness. But uh, I, I think moving forward with the conversation of mental health and the world of athletics, it's so imperative to have proper communicational skills to look out for one another when people aren't necessarily always the most in tune to do it for themselves. And uh, I think especially with how much time you spend with your teammates in a college setting, it's it's now more important than ever. So I was wondering if you could just shine a little light on that for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit on a key piece to of this, which is that it's kind of against the traditional sports culture, especially in men's sports, but, you know, I, I don't think it's only in men's sports by any means for there to be no discussion about mental health. So there'd be a expectation that people will tough it out. And of idea that if you're, if you're showing any signs of vulnerability, then that equates to like you said, like a weakness or, or being soft. Um, and I think that's where our work on the performance side of psychology is potentially really helpful for the mental health culture side of psychology as well i think if we realize that that we can use psychology to help people function better from wherever they are function better then it doesn't have to be that psychology or mental mental health is only about quote-unquote having problems and that's that's kind of a history that we're fighting against as a field in psychology right now. The, the history of psychology, the history of psychiatry is the treatment of dysfunction, right? So only helping people who have a problem of some kind, who are functioning below the norm. But the reality is, like I said earlier, that, that psychology is... In everything we do. And so I, I'm not sure why it has to be about dysfunction. Psychology can be about function. It's about if you are in the worst state possible and we're helping you, we're helping you function better. If you're of an elite mindset and you're achieving everything in the world and you work at the psychologist, we're hopefully helping you function better. So it doesn't have to be about dysfunction it can be about function and i think if we can keep growing the things in that direction then it doesn't become this thing that we're uncomfortable talking about it because if we talk about it, it means there's something wrong it's dysfunction right it's something wrong with the person and instead it's something that's okay to talk about because we all understand that we use psychology to do better and to feel better and so it's not the negative there's no negative connotation to it at that point. And so this is something we've found in our medical settings as well as, you know, there's just like with sports, like there's a percentage of people who don't really want to focus on their own mental health or physicians or other providers who don't, you know, wanna emphasize patient mental health as as a key thing because it's like this uncomfortable thing to talk about. But as we show that we can help patients function better, adjust better, adapt better, have a better quality of life, then it becomes this more universal thing that we can work on. And when it's more universal, then it's not such a bad thing to talk about anymore because everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a long answer to your, to your question, but I think that, that it is a cultural issue that, that we fight against in the sports world where it's uncomfortable to talk about those things. And like you said, our our teammates are such an important part of it. A big part of the sport experience is the social piece. Our teammates often become our best friends. There's people who we have some of our, our most significant positive or negative experiences with they're They're a really important part of our life. and And just like you hope a friend or a family member would feel comfortable talking with you about concerns you might have and and helping there helping you and and supporting you, it's the same idea in sports, right where Where those are the people who could really have a positive impact on that piece. So I think you know I think if we can keep working on the culture, keep helping everybody understand the opportunity to work on mental health and mental skills to function better, and then keep working to provide enough resources so that when people do have these conversations or do make these observations about themselves, that they feel supported and and have the resources to support making the changes to help make things better. And so there's a lot of work to do but I think if we look back 10 years, 20 years, like I think we've also come a long way. And so it's just, it's a steep <laughs> mountain that that we're climbing and we're just not all the way there yet.
0: Absolutely. Definitely a lot more a lot more steps to take, but thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your wisdom, your guidance. I think even though I've worked with you in the past, I feel like every time I sit, sit down with you or uh, hear something new from you, there's always something huge I can take away from it. And I really appreciate your perspective on all aspects, even though my athletic career is behind me. I think uh, the things you you teach can be applied to so many other aspects of life. And um, I thank you for the work that you do and your willingness to come on and discuss these, these matters with me and put aside the time in your day to talk about something that I obviously think is so important and so interesting and always evolving and always growing. And I, I'm just so grateful that there are people out there doing the work that you do.
1: Well, I really appreciate being on with you. And I think that, you know, well, I appreciate all of the, the kind things that you've said about our work together. I think one of the cool things about our past experience that a lot of the contributions I was able to make to the like said, football program, Actually, it's translated to the athletes through the coaches. I think that's a, a huge motivator for me. I, I hope that's some, uh, something that interests your audience as well. That that idea that if we can adopt the the mentality that psychology is in everything, then coaches or athletes ideally will want to learn more about these things so that they can do some of the themselves put it in place for themselves for their teammates their coaches for for their teams and I think you know that a lot of what you benefited from in high school may have been things I taught to the coaching staff but the part that really worked was their interest in devoting time and energy and focus the, of the program onto some of these issues and, and recognizing that at a school where you might not have the biggest athletes or the fastest athletes or the most football experience in, in our case, um, there's the opportunity to really optimize performance in, in a way that uh, other teams are not by simply choosing to spend a little bit more time on these pieces that, you know, from my biased opinion, don't get enough attention.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Proof was right there in our work. Um, I think everybody I still talk to from, from playing with remembers all the good that it did for us and all the good it's done for a lot of us moving forward. So thanks again for all that. And I, I also think same same wavelength as far as it, it's hard to instill these sort of ideas from the bottom up by uh, having one or two athletes sort of try and branch out. I think, as you said, sort of having coaches buy in is really where the key is, especially in those formative high school years. And And younger, I I think players might have a lot, lot more um, agency at the college level to sort of start movements within their teams. But even then, culture is dictated by the heads of the organization. And I think the impact you made in starting from the top and the way it worked down was it it just worked so perfectly. And so yeah, thanks for saying that.
1: We had a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was
0: a blast. All right. Well, thanks again for coming in today. Always great to chat with you to catch up. Thank you on behalf of the BSAC. And just athletes everywhere struggling with mental health, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed the interview. A huge thank you to Kevin for joining me via Zoom. This information he shared did not feel like it should have been free. And I, for one, know I learned a ton from his expertise. By utilizing his tools and reflecting on his thoughts, I hope that teams can help each other through tough days and improve their ability to act a little bit more proactively in improving their communication and support, as to avoid any of those blow-ups that can crumble a team's collective identity. Before signing off for the day, I would also like to say a quick final thank you to the BSAC and the NESCAC for acknowledging the importance of these themes in establishing this platform. If you enjoyed the episode today, please repost and share with the NESCAC's Mental Health Week hashtag, self-love is not selfish. Moving forward from here, there will be a bit of a return to normal. I will continue to invite friends, peers, and experts into the studio to share their stories and continue to expand the narrative of mental health in our communities. Hopefully, with each guest, the overall perspective continues to grow and the conversations with it. Never be afraid to anonymously share your story and reach out anytime via Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next time. And as always, I can't wait to keep growing with you. Thank you.